Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. It is Vision Sunday, and we are so glad that you could make it here for today. And a big welcome to everybody um, or anyone that's here for the very first time. If you have never been to Bright Church, I'm so glad that you could be part of this service. It's a pretty special service because like I said, this is Vision Sunday and Vision Sunday is a pretty special day. You know, normally what we like to do is we like to celebrate this big. So normally we would have uh, like uh, rides and games and, um, you know, know food and free coffee and all of this stuff it's it's almost like a mini festival and and we love to do that but you know it's 2020 and I don't think I need to really say what that means we all know what that means unfortunately we weren't able to do it but I wanted to let you know that we absolutely appreciate every single one of you. We really do. As a church, we pray for you. We pray on Monday nights and you're always welcome to be part of that church-wide prayer meeting. But even throughout the weeks, we're praying for you and, and we know that this year has been tough, but we miss you. And, and we're excited and looking forwards to the future. And I can tell you this, that we just celebrated some interns that did an amazing job. But I can tell you that this church runs so well because we have so many incredible people. And before I even talk about Vision Sunday for, for next year, our theme for next year, and, and as we even just reflect on this year, I, I want to say a big thank you to a number of people that I think have just done an outstanding job. I want to really thank our, our leadership team uh, who have led so well throughout the challenges that we've had this year, our ministry teams, our small group leaders. Um, all of you guys have done an amazing job. You help pastor the church and, and lead the church. I, I don't want to start calling out individual ministries because I feel like, you know, everyone's done an incredible job, but I will just mention one. Our, our creative teams and our production teams, you guys are incredible. You know, they are serving so faithfully and making things happen uh, when they've been a bit of a challenge. And I, I want to say a huge thank you to you. A huge, huge thank you to all of our leaders. And, you know, we've had testimonies that have come in this year. And the truth is, is that during the week, we celebrate those testimonies. We talk about all the great things that have happened. And I realized that you might not always get to hear some of them. So we just grabbed like just a handful of things that we thought, these are pretty good. This is just consistently some of the feedback that we've been getting in throughout this year. So let me just read out a, a couple to you. We had someone that wrote into us uh, and they actually came from a Muslim background, so a totally different faith. And they said that they've been attending Bright Church uh, and understand the love and the grace of Jesus. And, and they understand what Christian faith is all about and they love it. And, and that's incredible. And I can tell you right now, that if it wasn't 2020, we may not have been able to reach that person, but we were because, hey, we got church online and, and that works really well. Uh, we had another small group leader that wrote into us and let us know an amazing testimony. I'm gonna give you the, the story in a condensed form because it's, it's kind of a long one, but they had a small group 
one night and, and you know, small groups on Zoom these days. So everyone was in on the small group chat in Zoom and one person had, they just, you know, immigrated to Australia. They didn't have a job and, and they were concerned that they might need to be sent home. Well, um, one of the small group members joined that small group a little bit late. When they joined, they could see that, you know, things weren't quite right in the chat and they were trying to figure out what was going on. They said, hey, what's the problem? And they said, oh, look, you know, this person doesn't have a job. If they don't have a job, they may have to go home. And, and just even internally, they solved that problem in that small group because that, that person that joined said, you know what, I need an employee. I can employ you right now. You don't have to go home. It's going to be okay. And I just thought that that is incredible. And another good reason to join a small group. Uh, we've had multiple emails, uh, SMSs, uh, Facebook messages that have come in about people that have had incredible healings, uh, people whose ankles have been healed, migraines have been healed. Uh, you know, and, and I can tell you, there have been people that this year had been praying for significant breakthrough in very specific areas of their life that have been issues for a long time. And I, I can't go into all the details, but I can tell you that this year they have seen incredible breakthrough. And in the year that you know everyone just wanted to end, that's been the year where they've seen themselves blessed. And I think that that's amazing. Had more messages come in. Uh, someone who didn't know Jesus reached out for help uh, because of an abusive situation that they had in their home. And suddenly they started watching Bright Church. Now their whole family has been watching Bright Church and it has completely transformed that family unit and, and totally transformed the way that they understand grace, the gospel. Uh, I, I'm so I'm so proud of our teams for enabling this. And uh, I think that's so encouraging. Another couple who said that they were part of Alpha for the first time last year and they'd started going to a small group, but they'd been, you know, kind of inconsistent at church. And, you know, it can happen from time to time. But here they are. They said, you know, while attending, uh, they, they, they put out some pretty big prayers last year for a family member, their mum, uh, who was really sick. And they said that this year, September 2020, she was miraculously healed. The doctors were amazed by that. And these are just some of the stories and the testimonies and things that have come in. And so I, I, I'm so excited about this and I'm really believing for more to come. And I want to do, I, I, I'm going to pray a couple times today, just let you know that because you know, I just think we need to thank God for everything that's happened this far. So come on, why don't you join with me and let's thank God for the good things that we've seen this year. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings in this season. And God, we know that 2020 has not been the year that everyone loved, but God, we see your hand of grace at work, even though things have been challenging. Father, we just commit to you uh, everybody that's part of Bright Church, those that are seeking and, and, and wanting to know more about who you are. And we pray your richest blessings to be upon them. We thank you, God, for what you've done. But God, we're so excited to see that there is more to come, that there is more to do. We, we believe that the best years of Bright Church are all in front of us and we can't wait to see what happens next. We just commit all of our plans and our purposes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 2021 is going to be a great year. And I think, come on, it's going to be fairly obvious. I think the thing that I'm probably most excited about 
is that we will get to do church in person again. Already now we see some of the restrictions being able to be lifted and we're looking forward to being able to do church in person as soon as we can do it. We're going to keep streaming all of our services, okay? So we're not going backwards. We're just going to keep going forwards. So we're going to add what we've been doing this year to what we will do next year. And I think that that is going to create incredible momentum for our church. And, and I think really just get the gospel out there. And I'm believing that we're going to reach further and, uh, than we've ever reached before. In fact, we may have some significant plans for how we do our streaming service. That could become its own thing altogether. And we'll let you know more about that next year. But we're excited about that. And uh, we, hey, you know what? We, we're just going to raise up more interns. We're going to raise up more leaders. Nothing has changed this year. You know, our mission has always been that we will do anything short of sin to see people saved, free, equipped, and sent in Jesus' name. That was our mission before. It still remains our mission today, and we will continue in whatever season we find ourselves in to reach people with this incredible message of grace that we call the gospel. And I'm just looking forward to doing all of that because we have a vision to change the world that we live in and it begins all around us. So I can't wait to do all of that next year. I want to begin by reading a scripture to you this year. It, it's a short scripture, but I think that in this scripture, uh, is a lot of direction. This is where I feel God is leading us, guiding us, directing us for next year. So why don't you just read with me? John 1.16 says, For from His fullness, talking about God, for from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. You know, 2020 has been the year of the Zoom meeting. And you know, maybe you have a job where you get to work outdoors, but for anybody that's had an office job or anything like that, it is the, it's the year of the Zoom meeting. And that's how we've been doing all of our meetings. That's how we've been doing all of our small groups. And you know, at the beginning of this year, I honestly didn't know how things were going to go. I didn't know if I was going to be broadcasting to you from my home office. And so as soon as everything started to shift and happen, I was like, well, hey, come on. I, I got to get some things. I got this little light that's in my office that, that uh, shines the appropriate amount of light on my face so I don't look like I'm hiding in the shadows. I got an extra microphone. I got a camera and all of this so that we can just try to get the setup right. I started using Zoom. And uh, I realized that when I connected this external camera, that there was a, a feature in Zoom that I didn't know existed. Maybe you've been using it, but I didn't know it existed until I plugged in this, this extra camera that I've got. And it's a little switch that you can flick. And the switch says, touch up my appearance. Now, I don't know if you've been using that and, and you just wanted to touch up your appearance just a little bit but you know what it is it's like this suddenly there's like mood lighting in the room or something you know like it you know it puts like a soft filter and everything that you kind of maybe you didn't want to see it just goes away it's like magic you know and, and so you can use the touch up filter to make yourself look just a little bit nicer just a little bit sharper and, and, and you know one of the things that i've realized throughout this year is that you know, as human beings, as people, we like to dress things up a little bit, especially if you've been using that, that camera. But we, we like to dress 
things up a little bit. Make them look just a little bit better than they really are. And, you know, when, when we went into lockdown, you know, in the state of Victoria, great state, and uh, I, I love my state, but I did not enjoy being in that position. But I remember watching when our Premier Daniel Andrews said that things were going to start to open up again. And at this point, my hair had been growing a little bit longer. And maybe you didn't see it. Maybe you didn't notice it. It didn't feel like that to you. But it felt like that to me. I felt like a Yeti. Like suddenly I'm like, this, this thing needs to get cut. Uh, I need to, to fix it up. So I'm watching the press conference. The Premier says that bans are going to be lifted. Businesses can open up. Hairdressers can go back. And all these different people. I was so excited about all of this. And I thought, who would be the person that I would text first to let them know how exciting all of this was. Well, I didn't text my family and I didn't text my friends and I didn't text any of the church leaders or anyone like that. No, 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 no. The first person I text was my hairdresser. And I sent them a text immediately and I said, hey, I said, I've just seen the announcement. Can I get in tomorrow? Will you let me in, right? Because, you know, hey, I just want to make all of this look better if I can. I just want to sharpen it up a little bit and, and do the best job that I can. And, 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 you know, maybe you listen to that and you say, well, that's kind of crazy. Like, maybe you shouldn't worry so much about that. Well, let's just go over a couple of things and, and, and see what you do, right? Have you ever dyed your hair? Have you ever dyed it another color? Come on, now you're changing your appearance. You're touching it up just to make it look a little bit better. Um, have you ever put any kind of product in your hair and just to style it or make it look a little bit better? Ladies, have, have you ever put makeup on, you know, and, and, and just to try to maybe dress yourself up a little bit? Ever used a concealer, some foundation? I don't know. Just, you know, whatever you're going to do, just try, try to touch it up a little bit, make it look a little bit better. We love to dress things up. And by the way, none of those things are wrong, okay? All of those things are, are great and all of those things are good. But, you know, there are some things that you just can't dress up. And we can try to change things on the outside. Try to dress up our appearance. But there are some things that we can't dress up like our past choices. You've had choices that you've made and you can't change what you did. And there's no way that you can dress it up. It's in the past. There have been things that you've done, things that you've said, words that came out of your mouth. And if you could take them and, and put them back in your mouth, you would, but that, they were out. Those words were heard. And it was too late. There are thoughts that you can have. And, it, you know, try as you may and, and as much as you want to. The truth is, is that those thoughts were there and all of these things. This is your history. And my point to you is that you cannot dress up your history. It's done. It's happened. You can't change it. And maybe you've tried to hide it, but the thing is, is that God knows it. He knows everything. You know, the scriptures say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what that scripture means is that we're all in the same boat. 
Every single one of us have things that we've done in our lives that we wish that we didn't do. Every single one of us have had thoughts that have you know, happened or words that have been said or, you know, or, or behaviours that just kind of came out. And we would love to change that, but we can't. And we're all in the same boat, all collectively, all of us together. And I tell you that for a reason, because those things you may have tried to mask or hide away, hope that maybe no one finds out. But I want to tell you that it is exactly in that state that God came for you. It is that condition that you are currently in that has, you know, God came for you while you were in that place. He came for you when He knew that you were messed up. He came for you knowing that you had problems. He came for you understanding that you weren't perfect and knowing that you had things to work on. It's in that very place that God saw you, He loved you and He reached for you. And if you want to know how He reached, I think it's not expressed anywhere in the Scriptures better than John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him will never perish, but have eternal life. For Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved by Him. A lot of people have had it in their mind, those that have no relationship with God, that maybe He's the one that stands ready to condemn. I tell you, that's not gospel. He's the one that stands ready to forgive. This thing I'm talking about, the gospel, it's grace. The gospel is grace. The gospel is unmerited favour. That's what grace means. It's unmerited favour. There's nothing you can do to add to it. There's nothing you can do to bring to it. It's just the unmerited favour of God. In fact, I, I want to tell you today that if you are broken, if there are cracks in your mirror, if there are fractures in the past, if there is any guilt that you have from anything that you've ever done in your life, if there are mistakes that are ever before your eyes, if there is anything that you've ever tried to hide, I tell you that you, even broken as you are, are a person who qualifies for the grace of God. That's what grace is. It's your brokenness that qualifies you for grace. I mean, if you could have earned the favour of God, they wouldn't call it grace. They would never have written a song called Amazing Grace. They would have just called it Amazing Earned. And it was never written because it's all about the grace of God. Grace is the disposition of unconditional goodwill despite human failure. And it is especially undeserved. The fact that we don't deserve it is why we call it grace. Grace is what it is. I want you to listen to Psalm 103 verse 10. It says, He does not deal with us according to our sins. That's our mistakes. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. The condition that you arrive in is the condition that God expects you in. He expects you to come to Him 
And if you've ever had it in your mind that maybe you could dress it up or maybe you could start to act right or behave well and, and, and you'll maybe cultivate that relationship with God. And maybe you've always just felt in your heart that you've been just a little bit judged by God and He doesn't want anything to do with you because of your mistakes. I tell you, you just don't understand what the grace of God is really all about. I remember when, you know, I became a Christian, actually for the second time. Not that you can become a Christian for the second time. I just recommitted my life. I know a lot of people have that story. So here I am, I'm, I'm 21 years old and I walk into church for the first time in like 10 years. I never planned to have an encounter with God that day. I didn't even really know what I was doing in church that day, but I go in and and I have this encounter with God. And I tell you, it was supernatural experience that I had. And it was like in this moment as, as people began to, to sing, suddenly all the wrong things that I'd ever done, all the mistakes I've made, it was like they just came in front of me. Like I was face to face with 10 years of mistakes and history and things that I wish I'd never done. As Whether they were thoughts or words or actions, you know, it, it was all there in front of me. And in that moment, I understood something. I, I, I saw that I was forgive, forgiven by God. And I had this encounter with grace that day. And I, the only thing that I could think to say at that moment was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you've forgiven me. Thank you, Jesus, that, that all of those things have wiped away. And, and, and I felt so good that day. And then something kind of weird happened. You know, I went out of church that day and God began to do a work in me. And the first thing that I did is I started to create a stop, start, don't do list. You know, now that I'm a Christian, now that I started to follow Jesus, there's a whole, a whole heap of things that I can't do anymore. And, you know, try as I did and, and doing the absolute best of my ability, I discovered that I, I, just, I just couldn't be that perfect person. I, I, I kept making mistakes, even when I didn't want to. And, and I kept on seeing these things in my life and I was trying to deal with it. And, and you know, I was trying to deal with it and I felt like, the more I tried to deal with it, the further and further I got away from God. I even started to feel like, hey, maybe God doesn't even really want me to be in church anymore because of all of the wrong things that I've done. And it's like I had this encounter with grace and immediately as good as it was, realizing in that moment that I had done nothing to deserve it, I walked out of church and started trying to earn it. And that's where I went wrong. It's the unmerited favor of God. Uh, there's nothing you can do, nothing I could have done to actually earn it. And see, the problem is the moment that you start trying to earn grace, it's cut off from you. I don't know if you know that. Grace gets cut off the moment you think that you can start to earn it. L listen to this in Galatians 5 verse 4, Paul the Apostle dealing with a very specific issue in the church and he's saying, hey, you can try to do all the things that you want to do on the outside. But if you start thinking for a moment that you can get closer to God because of all of your good works and your behavior and your attitude and all of this stuff, Paul the Apostle says, you have severed, you're severed from grace. In fact, he says, you have fallen away from grace. You know, when I hear that phrase, fallen from grace, I realize 
that we have contextualized that scripture so wrong in our culture and society when it comes to having a relationship with God. You know, when people say that someone has fallen from grace, here's what they mean. That, that someone was in a position maybe of authority, but they made a mistake morally or otherwise. And, and what do people say? They have fallen from grace. But that's not Bible. That's not the gospel. You, you, you can't fall from grace. Think about it. It doesn't even really make sense. I mean, if, if, if grace is what puts you where you are, then grace is what keeps you where you are. Grace is what has pinned you where you are and you can't fall from something that has been given to you. And we understand naturally in, in, in institutions, people step out of leadership positions and authoritative positions because of mistakes that they've made. That's fine. But I want to tell you, that you have never fallen from the grace of God. It's your fallenness that gains you access to the grace of God. And when you're humble enough to realize for just a moment that you're not perfect and you never will be, it's in that moment that you gain access to the grace that you desperately need. So don't try to earn what can only ever be given because it's a mistake and it's just, it's not Scripture. It's, it's not Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you know, sometimes on, on like Instagram or Facebook or whatever, I, I see these things, these clips that are put together. It's called, you know, instant karma. I actually saw one this morning, amazingly enough, and, and this is what it was. A lady was driving through the intersection. There was a, a whole heap of cars ready to move forwards when the light went green. And this lady decided she was going to run the red light. And because the traffic was so banked up, you know, she just kind of got stuck or she stopped in the middle of the intersection. And of course, all the cars that got the green light, none of them could move forwards because she was just blocking their path. So she looks at the camera uh, that she didn't know she was being filmed. You know, it was a dash cam and she looks at it, right? And she gives him, and I'm not gonna do it, all right? Cause I don't need the emails, but, but uh, she gave him the universal sign of disapproval, if you know what I mean. And she did that. And then she was so fixated on that, that she, she, she took off, she planted her foot and she drove straight into the back of a car that was about a meter in front of her. And it was like instant karma. The next one jumped straight to another one. This guy comes and he, he smashes a window and then he runs onto the street. Immediately a car hits him, instant karma. And what I think we have sometimes, we have too many Christian people that believe in karma instead of understanding grace. We don't have karma in Christianity. It's, it's not how it works in regards to our relationship with God. I mean, imagine this. Let's say that you're driving on the street and you just cut someone off and, you know, you get into the car park, you park the car, you... You go into the shops, come back, and somebody has just keyed your car. And you look at that scratch, and you think, this is so unfair. And then a voice maybe says to you, hey, this is just getting back at you because of that thing you did earlier today. This is, this is just the world getting even. This is just karma. 
This is just God allowing these things to happen to you because of that mistake. This is just God punishing you because you should have never cut that person off. You, you shouldn't have given them the universal sign of disapproval. And because you've done those things, this is God getting equal. But that's, that's not gospel. That's not, that's not grace. That's not how a relationship with God is ever supposed to work. See, the problem is the moment that you start thinking like this, you start treating your relationship with God like it's something that could be earned. But grace is not ever earned. It's only ever given. And the moment you start treating God like that and start thinking that maybe you can do something to to earn that great spot that you have with God. Or maybe if you do the right things, the good things will happen in your life, right? You've misunderstand what the gospel is all about. And if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a person that's a, a follower of Jesus, all of your punishment is left at the cross. All the penalties that ever need to be paid are left at the cross. So if the penalty's already been paid, then what does that make you? What do you get? Well, I'll tell you what you get. I'll tell you what you become. The Scriptures say that you become the righteousness of God. All of the good things that Jesus did in His life are suddenly credited to your account. And when God looks down on you, He doesn't just see the mistakes of your past. They, they have been removed as far as the East is from the West. No, when God looks down upon you, he just sees the righteousness of His Son. That's why I say, if you're a Christian, please, you should never be a self-righteous person because there is no place for that in Christianity. The truth is, is that all of our righteousness always comes from God. We're completely dependent on His grace. I want you to listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For our sake, He made Jesus. I'm going to translate for you here. God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become. When I say the words become, that's our present state. That's our condition that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, when you start to think this way, you start to reinterpret all of the experiences that you have in your life. Because suddenly you're not looking through the karma filter. You suddenly realize God's not trying to get even with you. And you need to start to think this way because right believing leads to right living. If you have the righteousness of God on you, the righteousness of Christ, then what should you expect? You shouldn't expect judgment. What you should expect from God is just grace. It's the grace that you expect. It comes from Him. Listen to Romans 3.25. It says, God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. The word propitiation, uh, let me tell you what it is. It's a sacrifice that turns God's wrath into favor. In other words, you know, if you have no relationship with God, even though in your lifetime you experience a measure of grace and don't immediately incur the punishment due to you because of the mistakes that you've made, eventually your past will catch up with you. <laughs> Except if Jesus is your Savior, then He's already paid the penalty for that mistake. 
So instead of getting the wrath of God that could be coming, you simply walk in the unmerited favor of God. And that, that is grace. And it's the most beautiful, strongest part of the gospel message that the world needs to hear. So let me read it to you again. John 1.16, For from His fullness we have received grace. We've all received grace upon grace. There's two ways that you can understand this. The first way that you can understand that scripture is that the grace of the New Testament, in other words, the gospel, has been laid on top of the grace of the Old Testament, which is the law. Now, you know, for some of you that might understand a little bit about the Old Testament, when we talk about the law, 613 commandments, don't break one or you're guilty of breaking them all. You're in trouble. You are going to have to, uh, you know, have a sacrifice for your sins. Uh, You know, you may read that sometimes and think, man, that's so harsh. Yet the writer, John, he says, oh, that, that, that was never harsh. If you think that that was harsh, you're just seeing it the wrong way. That was grace. The law was gracious in the sense that it showed people a right way to live, a right way to do family, a right way to do community, a right way to relationship with God. And the most gracious thing that God could ever do would show us how to love Him and love each other. So there's a measure of grace, but then it comes to the New Testament and the gospel, which is the forgiveness of sins. That's why we don't sacrifice anything anymore. No sacrificial lamb, no sacrificial animals. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. He paid the penalty for sins. And because He did that, we never have to sacrifice anything again because we believe by faith that what He did, the the magnitude of what He did was so significant that it covers us for all of our past, present and future sins. That is grace, a relationship with God based on what He did for us and what we could never do on our own. It's grace upon grace. The second way you can understand this scripture is you can look at it and see that, you know, what it's really saying is that there is grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. Come on, if you don't get this right now, I don't know how to say it any more clearly for you. When you have a relationship with God, you should expect to receive grace if you put your faith in Jesus. And then when, when you get up the next day and you make a mistake, what should you expect? Not the karma train. No, 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 no. If you make a mistake, what do you get? You get more grace. In fact, commentators say about this passage that what we're really reading here is God lavishly pouring out gifts of grace over and over again and again. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Come on, you gotta get this. It is grace being overflowed into our lives and it has everything to do with God and everything to do with the way that He feels about us. And and you say, wait a minute, you're talking about my daily life? Like I should expect grace like every day in my life? Yeah, I am. I am. Because you may not realize this, but God cares about you. And not just your soul as if it's abstract from everything else in your life. God cares about your family. God cares about your job. God cares about your business. God cares about your kids. 
He cares about your finances. He cares about your problems. He cares about all of these things that you have going on in your life. God cares about all of those things. And so let me ask you a question. Like, how are you going to approach 2021? Because right believing leads to right living. So I don't know what you're thinking about 2021. There's been so much uncertainty this year. And there is, a, there is in many people's minds and hearts and maybe imaginations, a, a question mark over next year. We don't know everything that's going to happen. We've got to start to make plans for our future. We've got to start to think about what's going to happen. But, but what are you going to do? How will you approach 2021 being uncertain about some things? And my encouragement to you is to take a position of faith and to say, to a certain extent, I don't know what's going to happen, but one thing I do know is that I have grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is enough. His grace will meet my marriage issues. His grace will meet my financial issues. His grace will meet my job issues. His grace will meet me where I'm at. And no matter where I go, what I do, the problems I encounter, I have grace upon grace on my life. And, and this is the way that we got to think no matter what season we're going through, we have the grace of God in our lives. There are some things that you can't dress up in your life. And when you know that you can't dress them up, you just say, God, I just, you know, I just need your grace. So some of us are probably making plans, right? Like I said, we've got to think about what we're doing next year. And I like plans. Like you got to be, strategic and you got to plan it out and you got to figure out what you're doing. But I'll tell you this, the manifest presence of God is better than any strategy you have for 2021. I mean, the presence of God is greater than any strategy. You can put all your plans out. You can put everything in order and you can try to make everything fit, right? But one shift, one change and everything could could shift in just a moment. It could change in just a moment. See, your, your strategy is limited, but God's grace is unlimited. What you need more than anything else next year is not the greatest strategic plan, although I think it's a great idea. What you need is the manifest. That means to make something plain and obvious. You need the plain, obvious spirit of God God at work in your life that manifests the kind of grace that enables you to get through every challenge, every problem and everything that you're going through. And if you have that one thing, I tell you, no matter what you come up against, God's grace is more than sufficient for every challenge that you ever have. I, I tell you, I don't know about you, but I need more grace in my life. I need more of God's grace to make everything that I want to do and everything that we do as a church and and. Everything, all the plans, we need God's grace to make them work. There's no limit to God's grace. I want to read to you a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, Faith occupies the position of a channel or a conduit pipe. Grace is the fountain and the stream, but faith is the aqueduct along which the flood of mercy flows down to refresh the thirsty sons of men. See, there's no limit to God's grace. 
but you need faith to receive it. The Bible says, if you don't expect anything from God, why should you expect that He answers your prayers? If you intentionally and purposefully doubt everything that, he's, that He does, that's not how this works. There's grace in abundance. God has grace. It's like a fountain that's flowing. It's always there. But faith is what connects you to that grace. Think about it like this. There is grace that exists for every single person. Anyone gives their life to Jesus, no matter who they are, their background, their history, everyone gets forgiven of their sins. But what bridges that gap? I can tell you it's not love and it's not kindness and it's not good works. But the thing that bridges the gap between you and the grace of God is the faith that you have to receive it. So grace is there in abundance. You just need to believe that God wants to pour out his grace in your life. And so Bright Church, you know what? I think the position that we need to take is just one of faith. Of course, from this side, looking into next year, we don't know everything that's gonna happen, but we take a position of faith that says, you know, no matter what happens, God's grace is always there to meet me. So every year I, I pray about the year that's coming. God, where are you leading us? Where are you taking us? What are we doing? I really felt impressed that this year, more than any other year, that, hey, you know what we need to expect? You know what we should pray for? You know what we should believe for? It's grace upon grace. I want to read something to you. This is for where we're going next year. This is what I believe where God is leading us. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is not deserved and never earned, but only ever given. The Scriptures say we have received grace upon grace. Our faith position is that God's grace can meet every need. We need His grace over people's eternal future, their marriages, families, businesses, employment, physical and mental health. Our declaration is that God's grace bridges the impossible and expects the implausible. In 2021, we expect to see God's grace through the cross by the work of the Holy Spirit. And our confession is that we have hope and peace today because God's grace meets us tomorrow. I'm expecting and believing good things ahead for you, for me, for Bright Church, because I know that whatever happens, wherever we go and whatever we do, we have grace upon grace. So here's what I want to do today. I want to pray for every single person, whether you've made plans for next year or not, but maybe what you want to do is just join with me in this moment and take a position of faith. I really mean it. Right now, why don't you just put your hand over your heart and just, just pray along with me as we pray over next year. And, and I'm going to commit to God your, your plans, your purposes. I'm praying for you today as I am for our church and our families and our leaders and our businesses and all of these things that we will have the grace that's required to meet the challenges that we face tomorrow. So come on, if you want to join with me and take that faith position, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we have all received grace upon grace. We thank you, God, that we should just expect grace to meet every challenge and need. 
And God, that grace takes place in different forms. But Lord, I pray it that it would come that it would overflow. I pray for marriages. I pray for businesses. I pray for families to be reunited. I pray for people that are struggling with addictions and issues that your grace, that your grace would meet them right where they're at. Lord, your word says that your grace is more than enough. It's sufficient for the problems that we face. And so Father, I commit to you, the church, our plans as, as Bright Church and where we go, what we do next year. I know, God, that we, we all can have peace in our hearts today, no matter where we are right now, because we know that your grace will meet us tomorrow. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.